Adventures in Dreaming, a Happy Brain Games podcast, Episode 1, The Cliff Divers of Argonne. Hello there. Come on close to the fire if you like. It's nice to see a friendly face on the roads. My name is Asonia. It's a pleasure to meet you. You're welcome to stay a while, if you like. We've got plenty of room here. I was actually just about to share a story, if you'd like to listen. This takes place far away, on the continent of Imurus. Imurus is a beautiful archipelago that enjoys temperate weather almost all year long, so I suppose it shouldn't be too surprising that I've done quite a bit of travel there. On one of the southernmost islands, right at the edge of the sea, there's a small village called Argonne. I'd heard of Argonne and its unusual tradition, but it was several visits to Imarus before I finally made my way there. The village of Argonne sits on a tall cliff overlooking a frothy cerulean blue ocean. The wind is bracing on anything but the calmest, sunniest days. The locals say that when bad storms come through, the waves can carry the spray of the ocean all the way up the 60-foot cliff face. But I will admit, I consulted with a druid ahead of time to make sure I'd be planning my stay during good weather. No sense in wasting the trip. I had stayed the evening before in the larger town of Panapoli and set off early in the morning with the first creeping hints of sunrise just barely peeking over the hills. Outside of Panapoli are large, sprawling meadows where the locals raise sheep and goats. These herds are often guarded by a single axe-beak, which is more than enough to keep most simple predators at bay, certainly enough for me to give these herds a wide berth as I traveled. After about an hour of hiking, The meadows gave way to rockier terrain, and the elevation began to climb a little. The sun had now risen, and there were just a few puffy, lazy clouds high in the heavens. It wouldn't be the warmest day I'd spent in the area, but certainly good enough for what I was looking for. I soon began to see the parceled grazing lands at the outskirts of Argonne. Here were large herds of very hardy-looking goats much larger than anything being raised in Panapoli. I saw no axe-beaks among them, and I got the impression that these creatures needed little protection to fend off predators. Even from a distance, they looked my height, or even taller. Their white hair was coarse and thick, the wind just barely able to move it. Many of the larger goats watched me as I walked by on the path, but none approached. They seemed fine with my presence, as long as I didn't get too close to the herds. Most of Argonne exists in these spread-out pastures, but there is a small gathering of buildings at the top of the cliff. Maybe not quite a town square, but there is a meeting hall, a general goods store, a chapel in devotion to Thassa, the god of the sea. These buildings are constructed of large, stout timbers and heavy stones. Anything less sturdy would surely collapse under the storms and surf. The chapel is worthy of note for someone traveling to Argonne. One could easily be fooled by its humble exterior, 
but spare a few minutes and head inside, where you'll be met with an absolutely gorgeous sculpture. The piece, which the locals simply call Thassa, is constructed entirely out of things that the sea has given them. Large pieces of pale gray driftwood, bleached bones from aquatic creatures, the shells of giant crabs, all come together to form a beautiful humanoid shape. A great pearl sits in the middle of its chest, reflecting the light in all directions. Perhaps you've seen the kinds of pearls that people wear as fashionable jewelry. This is nothing like that. This pearl is about the size of a watermelon, covered in an incredible number of bumps and ridges, and yet the texture is completely smooth. In all my travels, I've never seen anything quite like it. And it says much about the day's adventures that it wasn't the highlight of my visit. No, I had something even more amazing to experience. And as the morning turned to afternoon, it was time. You see, Argonne is home to more than just the residents that live there and the animals they raise. On the face of this great cliff are large caves, almost surely a whole system of caves, though no one has been able to map them. These are the summer home of a great herd of hippogriffs. If you've not seen a hippogriff in person, and to be fair, they can be extremely dangerous, allow me to describe them. They stand as tall as any normal horse, and indeed, the back half of them, the back legs and tail, are identical to that of a horse. Most that I've seen have brown fur in the back, though there are some that are black, white, or even a mottled gray color. The front half of the creature is decidedly unhorse-like, and could best be described as much like a giant eagle. Its front legs end in powerful talons, its head has a sharp, stern-looking beak, and it has huge feathered wings on its back, stretching as wide as twenty feet or more in some cases. If what you're imagining sounds incredible and majestic, you're right. If what you're imagining sounds wild and dangerous, you're also right. They are, as far as I know, not capable of being tamed, but then, I wasn't raised in Argonne. There was already a small group gathered near the cliff's edge by the time I arrived, about ten young men and women. The youngest was probably a child just a few summers ago. As I approached, they were finishing a group prayer to Thassa, talking about how what they do here is to honor the god of the sea. That may be true, but I'm sure the thrill doesn't hurt either. As the prayer ended and the true preparations began, it became quite apparent who had done this before and who was approaching it for the first time. A handsome young man, leading the group this day, brought out an object bundled in cloth, the leg of a lamb, as it turned out. He showed it to the group, then turned to face the sea. He held it aloft, then let it go. The only sound in that moment was that of the waves churning far below. 
I don't think anyone in the group did so much as breathe. And after just a couple of seconds, the young man crouched, then leapt off the edge of the cliff, quickly disappearing from view. The fact that I was here to see exactly this did nothing to lessen my shock. I expected the group to crowd near the edge to watch what was about to happen, but they did not. Instead, they waited right where they stood, and so I did as well. I have no idea how long that moment lasted, the suspense hanging in the air. But we could hear the beating of wings soon after, and suddenly the young man reappeared, quickly soaring high above us. The hippogriff he rode had the lamb's leg in its beak, the offering apparently accepted. The young man held on for all he was worth, legs clamped tight around the creature's body, his hands buried deep in the mane of feathers. The hippogriff pinwheeled in the sky, spinning wildly. Whether it was rejoicing at a meal or trying to buck its rider, I could not tell. But it soon flew back much lower, gliding just a couple of feet off the ground over a pasture. And the young man leapt off of the hippogriff's back and into the soft grass. I watched as the creature ascended once more, then flew straight down over the cliff, close enough that I could have reached out and touched it had I dared. After the first flight, nearly everyone in the group took their turn leaping from the cliff and putting their trust in the wild beasts down below. And, to give credit where it is due, all of the young men and women who tested their bravery were rewarded with safe passage from the hippogriffs on this day. I was not asked to join, and I did not press the issue. Some traditions are more closed than others, and cliff-diving in Argonne is much more harrowing than any feast or festival I've been a part of. Perhaps one day I'll take the plunge. Now, the hippogriffs don't always cooperate. There are days, I am told, when that first leap is simply met with the crashing waves down below. No doubt the jump is extremely dangerous, even in the best of circumstances. But even if the elders of the village warn against it, everyone knows those words are hollow. The elders themselves took those leaps when they were young. It's a tradition that has taken place here for the better part of a thousand years, and it certainly isn't ending any time soon. Now what about you? Would you take that leap? Could you see yourself peering over the edge, leaping towards the water, reaching your hands out and waiting for the sensation of feathers in your grasp? In dreams, the hippogriffs always cooperate, and flight is always possible.